Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. Well, this is a, a wonderful weekend, the first Shabbat of the new year. I want to welcome everyone who's listening by podcast all over the world. We've had people listening in over 100 countries. So if you're hearing by podcast and you're not from the United States, why don't you write us and tell us what country you're from just so we can encourage you and stay connected with you. Recently, we heard from uh, listeners in Namibia, which encouraged us, and I know encouraged the dormants too because they lived in Namibia, we found out. And uh, Sandy's been writing some stories that include Namibia, some of you didn't even know Namibia existed on this planet. You thought it was from Star Trek or something. But it is, it is a, a wonderful country. So we're, we love to hear from people all over the world and, and to be praying for people. And we want to see the Messianic movement spread all over the globe. That's one of the things that we have a heart for. So I want to encourage you. I also want to tell you that we had a wonderful time at the rabbis' conference, the Conference of the International Alliance of Messianic Congregations and Synagogues. And one of the great things that happened is Rabbi Yuri Korshin received his full ordination at the IMCS. Congratulations, Rabbi. This is Rabbi Yuri's third Messianic ordination. He's been accumulating them. So he has been serving as a rabbi for 18 years and serving in the Messianic movement for longer than that since he was just a a young man. He's still a young man. Can you imagine having served for a total of more than 20 years and still being a young man? Wouldn't that be great? Congratulations, you're still young. Yeah, I don't know how you do it. (laughs) It, it, Fountain of youth, I guess. We live close to St. Augustine, so you can go down there for a drink. But it was a wonderful time to pray for Rabbi Yuri, for Rebetz and Ina, for David, together with other rabbis who were receiving full ordination. And uh, to, to recognize Rabbi Yuri, who, who we know and love here in the congregation and in Jacksonville, and, and also he's loved and respected in Nikolai of Ukraine, Crimea, throughout that part of the world. But it was a joy to see rabbis from all over the world gather together and to recognize God's calling on Rabbi Yuri's life and to receive him as a rabbi of standing. So congratulations, Rabbi. We, we are so happy to be together with you. I posted some pictures of the times of prayer. We have many more, but I put them on Facebook. And uh, overnight, more than 1,000 people had looked at them already. I think people like looking at you. It's interesting. <laughs> Maybe Ina, they were, they were like, I, no, I think it was you together and David even. It was great. So it's great to see this call on their life being affirmed. And we receive them, don't we? We love them. What a great gift. And we're so grateful for Rabbi Valeri who joined us this past week and is now in Birmingham, Alabama uh, at Beth Hillel Congregation together with Rabbi Victor and Rabbi Alexander. 
And because Rabbi Valeri is leading the congregation now and Nikolaev, Rabbi Yuri, who's giving oversight to him, uh, can have great peace about what's happening there. One of the joys for me at the rabbi's conference was uh, seeing another messianic rabbi who had been a, uh, a competitive wrestler, Greco-Roman style. You know, that's Olympic. That means no Hulk Hogan or any of that stuff. This is real wrestling. So he found out that Rabbi Valeri also was a wrestler and uh, tried to put a move on him, just a little test, you know, and, and they matched up. I was watching this, and, and Rabbi David Rosenberg said, you know, basically, do you know how to deal with this move? And in, in, in the blink of an eye, Rabbi David Rosenberg was submitting. <laughs> So it turns out that Rabbi Valeri was national champion in his weight class, 180 pounds. And he was also uh, a teacher, and he was also a coach for wrestling. And, and Rabbi David was just like shaking his head. He said, that guy is strong. <laughs> and of course, David, who was competitive, thought he was strong. Uh, for a nanosecond. It was a beautiful moment. David loved it. I said, yeah, he was, he, was, he was one of the top wrestlers. He said, no, no, he was national champion. Do you know what that means? In the Soviet Union? And so, great to see a man of God have power and strength. And joy. And Rabbi Valeri did not hurt Rabbi David, I can tell you that. He accepted his tap out. <laughs> Uh, well, one of the themes in this week's Torah readings, if we can get back to that, is the restoration of the Jewish people. And we see Joseph being restored to his brothers, the very brothers who had sold him into slavery. We see that he, he is willing to forgive them, and not only that, but he sees the hand of God working in a mysterious way through all of this through the sufferings, through the slavery, through the imprisonment, through the rejection, the unfairness of it all, Joseph tells his brothers, God was working to provide a deliverance for you through all of this. And so Joseph puts aside his own sufferings, the difficulties he went through, and he sees God's hand at work and the greater plan of the Lord, and he sees as well the future of Israel in all of this. It's a great time of restoration. It's an amazing time. And it shows us that God can work in his, own secret, in his own secret ways to restore and to reconcile and to renew. It should encourage us that God can do this. Because we know that God is a father who's committed to the health and the well-being of his family. Well, I want to focus this morning on the Haftorah reading, which also speaks about restoration and gives us a picture of the prophetic restoration that I think has importance and relevance to us. So you can turn to Ezekiel chapter 37, which is a chapter filled with restoration descriptions. Chapter 37 talks about 
the dry bones of Israel, and the Spirit of God asked the prophet, can these bones live? But we want to focus, starting on verse 24. Ezekiel 37, verse 24, David, my servant, will be king over them, and they shall all have one shepherd. They shall also walk in my judgments and observe my statutes and do them. And let's look at this for a minute. When it's talking about David, my servant, it's not talking about King David himself. It's talking about one who's descended from King David. And this one is Mashiach, the anointed one. The promise to David is that he would have a descendant like this, who would be the king for Israel. One of the names of Messiah is Melech, HaMashiach, one of the titles, King Messiah. Say that with me, Melech HaMashiach, King Messiah, the anointed king. And this is telling us about the anointed king, Melech HaMashiach. It says that Israel will have a king over them, one king, not, a, not just a regular king, not a good king, but the king of kings who is the Lord of Lords. And it says they'll have one shepherd and they will also walk in my judgments, observe my statutes, and do them. That they will not only know the instructions of God, they will apply them to their own lives. They will act on them. And it says that this king will be a shepherd. It's very interesting to think about that. We serve a very special king. In Messiah, we have a king who has humbled himself, When you think about Moses, remember this. He was a prince in Egypt. Isn't that correct? I mean, you don't have to know your Bible. You just have to go to a Disney movie to know that. Moses was raised in the house of Pharaoh. But his royal experience was not what prepared him to be a leader in Israel. He spent 40 years in Midian under the tutelage of his father-in-law, Jethro, Yitro, who was a priest of the Lord and had some knowledge of God. It may have been incomplete, but it was sincere. And Moses spent 40 years as a shepherd, and that's what prepared him to be a leader of Israel. David, when he was called by Samuel, was a young man, a teenager, a lad, you could say. And what was he doing? He was taking care of sheep. His faithfulness as a shepherd prepared him to be king. Now, why does God use people this way? It's because he who is king is a shepherd. And he wants us to understand that his leadership is not through, uh, through the, the human might and power, but through his service as the shepherd who leads his flock. You know what that makes us? Sheep. Now, you can be a sheep, a lamb, or you can be a goat. There's a way to know if you're a goat. If the Lord's giving you instruction and you respond too often, yes, but. If you give too many buts to the Lord, you're a goat. The sheep say yes. They hear the Lord's voice and they follow him. The goats hear the Lord's voice, and they go their own way. Verse 25. Now here I want to 
read from the complete Jewish Bible translation by David Stern. And this translation is based, uh, this passage is based on the 1917 Jewish Publication Society translation uh, with some modifications. But it says, it says, then they will live there, they'll dwell in the land. They, their children, and their grandchildren forever. So repeat after me. They, their children, and their grandchildren. That's a picture of multiple generations dwelling together. And I want to connect that with what Rabbi Yuri was sharing about Seudat HaMashiach, that Israel is undivided in being called to the Lord. We're called all together. And this passage is trying to emphasize that, that this is, this is a community made up of all generations. Can you say all generations? All generations. So the children who cry and the adults who cry. The children who pray and worship and the adults who pray and worship. The children who serve the Lord and the adults who serve the Lord. Everyone of all ages. Rabbi Yuri gave a great message about including youth in ministry at the rabbi's conference. It was well received and he introduced a phrase that was very helpful for the, the rabbis there. He talked about the vision that we have of being a blended congregation of all generations. A blended congregation of all generations. We do have age-specific ministries in the congregation, but we want to see all age groups serving the Lord. Weren't you encouraged to see the young men recently at Hanukkah do a, a dance for us? And it was an act of worship for them that they prepared for over the course of a year. They didn't do it just on their own. Carol Cregan, Carol's here. Carol, can you stand up? We just want to thank the Lord for you. (laughs) Carol Cregan had love and vision for these young people and gave a year's worth of her time to equip them and prepare them. And, And you know what that shows? It shows young and old together all serving, doing their part, so that together we can worship the Lord and serve the Lord. It's a wonderful, wonderful vision, but it's different from some. Rabbi Yuri also said, it's good for the whole community and the parents together to have responsibility for the youth, and not just hire one person and put all the load on that person so that the parents don't have to think about this anymore, as if being a teenager is... You know, something that requires a quarantine. You know, let's send them over there so they might not infect us. No, all of us working together. All of us serving together. It's a great vision. Some of the rabbis were actually startled to think about their own situation. And the series of disappointments they've had with young people who have been sort of removed from the life of the congregation and never fit back into the life of the congregation. It was a... It was an insightful time. Let's keep going. Verse 26. I will make a covenant of peace with them. An everlasting covenant I will give to them. I will increase their numbers and I will set my sanctuary among them forever. This is really powerful. A covenant of peace. A covenant is a very serious relationship. 
and it requires sacrifice. And I was thinking about marriage compared to living together. Now, there are people who have told me they're living together, and, and they say, it's the same as if we're married. And I say, no, it's not. You know why? Because you're not married. When you're married, you actually make a commitment to each other, you document it, and you don't just make a legal commitment, though it is, you also make a covenant with God. And you invite God to be the authority over your marriage. So that it's not just your preferences and your temporary attitudes. It's not just a kind of vow, as long as our love shall last. Have you ever heard those at weddings? You can, you can set your clock for that. You don't even need a calendar. It's like, okay, within 24 hours, this one could be in trouble. Commitment, covenant, is a serious, a serious relationship. God's not interested in temporary relationships. He's interested in long-term relationships. He's a father. Can you imagine a father going to the hospital with his wife, his child is born, he looks at the child and says, oh, that's good. See you in heaven. What kind of father would that be? A terrible father. But any good father would want to be involved in the life of his children, to see that child grow up and mature, prosper in the Lord, and and be fruitful in their life. God's a father. He's not just looking for people to raise their hands. When someone asks a question at a meeting, do you not want to go to hell? How many people are in favor of not going to hell? Everybody. Would you like to burn forever? No. Would you like worms to eat you and suffer eternally? Nah. So raise your hand if you don't want to go to hell. Yeah, we're all in if that's all it took. Like, well, I cast my vote not to go to hell. God's not looking for that kind of pull. He is looking for people who enter into a covenant with him. Why? Because he's a father. And he wants children to be with him forever. So our love for him, our life with him now, is preparation for this life and for the life to come. So that's why God is saying, I'm making a covenant. It's a covenant of peace that God's making. And then he says, I'll give to them. I like that translation, I'll give to them. Gifts, provision, all sorts of things. I'll increase their numbers. This is very important. We are called to increase. We're called to increase personally. You and I are called to grow. You and I are called to mature. We're called to develop not only the gifts of the Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit. We're called to devote our lives to personal growth, but it's not just personal growth. We're called to grow as a community as well, to grow as a congregation, to grow together in quality and in quantity. They work together. You and I have been blessed to be brought into the kingdom of God, and we have the opportunity, even the responsibility, to find other people to bring them into the kingdom of God too. Let me ask you a question. Can you think of a person who told you the good news? Someone who shared with you that, that there was a God who was righteous 
and you could, you could be reconciled to him through repentance, your sins could be forgiven through the Messiah, and you could be restored to him. How many of you can remember someone sharing that with you, sharing that good news with you? And do you remember their name? I do. I remember Pat Pritchard telling me this. Now, I grew up in the South. Uh, I call it the anti-Semitic South at that time. And I heard the bad news all the time. The bad news had three parts. You're a Jew. You killed Christ. You're going to hell. Romans talks about sharing the gospel in order to provoke to jealousy the Jewish people. I think that they missed the word jealousy. And they thought, well, if we can provoke Jews. And it did provoke, but not to jealousy. But one person dared to share the good news with me. Pat Pritchard. And it touched me and changed my life. We can impact other people. You and I can impact other people. We have to have a heart for them. We have to care about their well-being. We have to know how to communicate to them, not to provoke them, not to disturb them. But we have to be able to um, connect with them so that they themselves can turn to the Lord. Do I need to ask the parents to get their children yet? Not yet. Okay. Not yet. Let's keep reading. Increase. Increase their numbers. Say that with me. Increase their numbers. God wants to use you in 2017 to reach other people with the good news of Messiah. He wants you to be bold. He wants you to be clear. He doesn't want you just to anger people, to provoke them. He wants you to stir up faith in people. And so we'll, we'll be praying for people to have open ears, open hearts, open eyes. And I want you to be praying in that same direction. Let's keep going. The Lord says he'll set his sanctuary among them forever. My home will be with them. I will be their God and they will be my people. And the nations will know that I am Adonai, who sets Israel apart as holy, when my sanctuary is with them forever. This is interesting. God wants to dwell with us. And he wants to make covenant just, not just with us as individuals, but with us together. He wants us to see that the body of Messiah is where he wants to dwell, where two or three are gathered in his name. There he is in the midst of us. He has a promise to establish his holy place among us and to make the house of God among us, God with his people. And he also wants something to be clear to us, that not only does he love the Jewish people, but he has a call for the Jewish people to love all the nations of the world because he wants the nations of the world to see him through the Jewish people, through Messiah. And so we have this opportunity to have a worldwide impact. You and I can impact people from all over the world, from different nations, from different language groups, from different cultures, from different socioeconomic and educational backgrounds. You and I can impact people for good. Now, 1 Peter chapter 2 speaks about how God wants to work with us, growing together. And it uses a really interesting phrase. It's 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. And remember, Peter 
was called as an apostle to the Jews. Paul was called as an apostle to the Gentiles, and yet Peter was the one who first went to Gentiles, and Paul continually went to Jews. So it tells you that those callings were not exclusive. They had a broader focus, and in the same way, we have a call to the Jewish people. We're a messianic synagogue. We're not a church. We're a messianic synagogue. But we also have a call to all the nations that would join themselves with the Jewish people and want to be in fellowship with us in a synagogue. So 1 Peter chapter 2, Paul writing, uh, Peter writing to Messianic Jews in the diaspora, and he uses this phrase that's so interesting, you yourselves are like living stones. Living stones. Now everybody knows that stones are not alive. I mean the stone family is alive. We love the stones. But stones are inanimate objects. And Peter is, is using this paradoxical kind of metaphor. He says you're living stones. You see, if you're just by yourself, you're a stone. Maybe you're still in the quarry. Maybe you, you're just out there But when you're joined together and you become built up as a spiritual house, you're a living stone. And the picture is really interesting. It says, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Yeshua the Messiah. Now one of the things that makes America strong is that we have independence, right? And we have that, uh, that desire for initiative and that willingness to go it alone. That's one of our strengths. It's also one of our weaknesses. Because the body of Messiah is not made up of independent parts. We being many are one body in Messiah. And this picture is trying to make that connection. Living stones. You see, when you're joined together and you're a living stone, you become the walls of a building and the roof of a building and inside together, not just in the individuals, but inside together is a sanctuary for the Lord to dwell. Now, you can't be a living stone unless you have repented and turned to Yeshua and been filled with the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, you'd just be a stone. But when you're a living stone and you're joined together, you form corporately a community of faith, a house of God, a sanctuary where God can dwell and have an impact that goes far beyond what he ever will do through just one individual. This is, I think, critically important. Paul writes that people are wrong when they're thinking about themselves by themselves. And he uses almost comedic comparisons when he talks about the eye. And I was thinking about this. You could be an eye. But if you are an eye and you're by yourself you will not see anything. Because the eye is simply one part. It's a receptor, right? And a converter. 
but it cannot take the images that it receives and even see all by itself. It needs the connective nerves, it needs the brain and the translation of all those images into uh, something that's understandable to us. So the eye can't exist on its own. And there are people who are trying to exist on their own. And they're saying, well, I'm filled with the Spirit. I'm truly a believer. I've got everything I need. Well, I can tell you, you, you don't have everything you need. You have everything you need to be a part of a whole, but not to exist on your own. Last night, I, I just couldn't help but think about that childhood game, Mr. Potato Head. How many of you remember Mr. Potato Head? I, I, I love playing with Mr. Potato Head and Eventually, they came up with an improved version that didn't require a potato. It was like a plastic potato head. How many of you got the second version? Yeah, I think my mom got tired of cleaning up potato juice. But Mr. Potato Head required a potato, and then it had all these body parts. You know, there were eyes, there, was, there were noses, there were ears, there were hands, feet. And you could put them, you know, you could arrange them in such a way that Mr. Potato Head looked pretty interesting. In my family, we like to rearrange Mr. Potato Head and put noses where ears belonged and things like that. Did any of you do that too? Yeah. And so I was thinking about Paul and that he was using this comparison that's very much like Mr. Potato Head. That you could, you could say, well, I'm a nose, or I'm an ear, or I'm an eye, I'm a hand. But you actually need each other. And God wants to be the head. Yeshua is the head, and he wants us to be connected. He wants eyes where they go. He doesn't want the nose on the side of your head. He wants the nose where the nose goes and the eyes where the eyes goes. He wants each of us doing our part so that together we can all do what he wants for us. This is a powerful picture and to me an amusing picture and it shows that, that even before there was Hasbro toys and such things that the Apostle Paul was able to conceive of potato head humor. I think... 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? This is not speaking to the single individual, but to the plural, you. All y'all, that's Southern. Don't all y'all know that together you're God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in the midst of all y'all together. I'll translate that for the northerners. You guys. <laughs> together. Now it's true that we get filled individually with the Holy Spirit, but that is so that we can be joined together. If we're not joined together, we're out of balance and incomplete, and we're trying to function differently than God has in mind for us. Now, the first followers of Yeshua, 
were described in a specific way in the book of Acts. Someone said about them, these are the people who are turning the world upside down. Guess what? You can, you can too. You can help turn the world upside down for good. God is ready to use you, for, to use us together in new ways, in powerful ways in 2017 so that we see the world turned upside down for good in the same way that Joseph saw God working in an upside down way. And taking his suffering and his low position, raising him up, and then restoring him by using him to save not only Egypt, but Israel as well. And I believe God wants to use you too. How many would like to turn the world upside down? A little piece. You got that in you. It's part of your nature. It's part of your character. You're looking for opportunities to turn the world upside down. I want to pray for you right now because I believe God's going to impart to you vision as you're praying, as you're moving forward together with us as a community. He's going to equip you and give you opportunities and serve us together to help turn the world upside down in order to fix it and make it better. Let's pray right now. Lord, I thank you that you are the God of hafuch. You are the God who works in an upside-down way. You turn things that were meant for harm into things that produce good. You turn even the work of the adversary upside-down in order to bring good out of evil intentions and plans. And in the same way that you rescued Joseph and you lifted him up and then you used him for the good of all of Israel, you want to work in mighty ways for us. Lord, we want to be people who are living stones built together into a spiritual house. We want to see your spirit moving freely in our midst. We want to see all the benefits of the new covenant, the reconciliation, the forgiveness, the restoration, the healing of bodies, the healing of relationships and families, the restoration of spiritual callings, the spiritual fruit that you want us to bear. We want to see increase in our numbers because we want to see your kingdom increased and all those who you're calling coming to you. Use us, Lord. Give us your boldness. Give us your vision. Deliver us from that independent spirit. Deliver us from that idea that the eye can do everything, that the hand can do everything, or that one small part can do nothing. Lord, each of us, joined together rightly, fitted together rightly, can become a spiritual house for you. And we can be a place, Lord, where the name of Yeshua is lifted up, where all are drawn to you, where there is glory here on earth as there is in heaven because the name of Messiah Yeshua is lifted up in our midst. Thank you, Lord, for calling us, redeeming us, and giving us new life in him. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. We're going to close with Aaron's blessing after the service. Make sure you get your kids. If you have children to pick up, don't delay. May the Lord bless you and keep watch over you and protect you. May the Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face to you 
and give you his peace. In the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Shabbat Shalom.